What is that? It's a little bag made from the skin of a toad. Does it matter? She, she's tampering in dioxided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter and Jess Carlson. Well, last time you were on the show, Rowan. Well, you're not Rowan. You're Jess. I have to totally right. <laughs> adjust this. This is and this is something we're going to talk about today. Um, but the last time you were on the show, it was 2012, it looks like. Yep, yep that was it. <laughs> that's fucking, so, what, that's seven years ago? Uh, what the hell year is this? I feel I feel like I live in such an alternate fucking universe right now that I don't even know what year it is. It could be 2075 for all I know, like because humanity has gone to shit. So I, blame I think Trump. it's 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, seven years, yeah, seven years. <laughs> Holy shit. Seven years. Um, and it was you were when you left the show, it was totally difficult on the, the listeners actually so like when i got a lot of like whoa is rowan gonna come back is she gonna and i'm like well you know i don't really know what's going on and you and i had and this is so background for everybody uh wrote this is the first time we've talked like vocally i think in seven years too we talked one other time um a couple years ago and then we both were off on our own things again and just didn't do yeah. our old we didn't fall back into our old pattern at that point <laughs> right right so when you left you and i were i mean it, yeah it was hard on the, sh- the listeners people were totally asking questions it was hard on me because i had totally gotten used to our kind of back and forth and i really knew i knew that it brought a lot to the show Mm. And um, so when you left, I was like, oh, this is going to suck. And then it really, really sucked for a while. And I had to, I mean, not just doing the shows by myself, but it was just the idea of like, oh, well, no one just wants to listen to me, like talking to a microphone. Like, what the, right. what the fuck? That's boring. So um, it was hard. And so the show totally suffered. And it wasn't your fault. That was totally just, you know, part of the whole thing. But then there right. were other things going on. And so last Last time we parted ways and the last time I think any people who if you've been listening to the show all these years, um, you totally know who Jess is. Um, and the last time we were kind of on this road together and we parted ways, there was some weirdness. And yeah. I think part of it was to- I totally take responsibility for uh, my part in that weirdness. Um, and I just want to apologize for like just being like this confused little gay boy. Like I, that's what I feel like it was. Like I feel like I was this confused little gay boy. There were all of these weird new things happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed that I was kind of going through one of those like dark witch phases, I guess, um, <laughs> to which I think you were coming out of a dark witch phase or something like that. So we were just in like this weird, this weird kind of place. So I do apologize if like I just my own chaos spilled over into our friendship. I just want to apologize yeah. for that. No, it's fine. I mean, it happens and it it was something that I think it's I you know 100% it sucked I mean it was definitely not something that um I I think that when I I was like oh I think I need to leave the show because I don't feel like I belong there anymore I feel like we have different 
ideas of what we should be doing next. Cause we had been like changing things around a lot because, you know, we had been doing it live and then we stopped because that was a technical a nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, then we were pre-recording it and we were playing around with different ideas because some people liked the way it was done. Some people didn't. We were, then we started doing like that. Okay. This week you get to pick the music and this week you get to pick the music. And then there would be like weeks where people are like, Oh my God, can we never listen to that again? And like, oh my God, that was amazing. Can we have more of that? And then it was just like getting weird because there were, there were just things that we both wanted to do, but weren't sure how to do them together. And, and I know too, that when you and I started doing the show together, when you asked me to come on and be with you on the show, I had said up front and I continued to say it later too, when it became a, a thing again, that I don't like interviewing people cause I'm not good at it. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And so I know that was something that you always like to do. So it was one of those things where it was just like, well, I can sit over here in the corner and interject my wise ass thoughts every now and then. <laughs> and like, that's about all I can do. And that was, that was when, when you wanted to start doing that again and you had actually I don't remember who it was now, um, but you had actually interviewed somebody without me. And you were like, oh, by the way, I interviewed so-and-so and I'm going to put that on the show this week. And I was like, okay, now I think I'm done. <laughs> and yeah. now I think I know for sure I don't need to be here. And right. then I was like, and I was like, you know what, that's cool because we're not going in the same direction with what, how we think this should go together. And, and that's cool. I mean, it, it happens. And I was in, you know, had a lot of weird personal stuff going on. And I think that it, it did, you know, it's like they say, like, always be careful if you get to be, you know, don't become really good friends with people you work with because it will, it will suck when one mm -hmm. of the, either the friendship or the work goes south. And that was what happened. Our work yeah. went south and our friendship suffered and that sucked. And, and, um, you know, so, and then, and then it went even more south or later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, it was a, a culmination of a lot of things that I think in the end had to happen because both of us had our own, you know, things we had to do. And, uh, you know, so in the end, it's all good. We're back here. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's cool. no, absolutely. I just, I remember like, you know, so, I mean, one of the things that I think it, we as witches, all witches kind of deal with are like trust issues and Part of that is just because I'm sure, you know, before we even get to the craft, there's a lot of betrayal spiritually and, you know, religiously, and people have to go through that finding themselves thing. Um, and then you get into the craft and once you start to meet people, you start to understand that people have created a world like paganism, modern paganism as it stands is to me separate from witchcraft. So like you can go Absolutely. to a pagan festival and you can, you know, meet people and, and just be glad to be around other pagans or whatever. But as witches, um, the witchcraft community itself, so there's just, you know, that niche of people, uh -huh. we all kind of have trust issues. Like, and oh, yeah. it's, it's a thing. So I know that I was in a place where I, that had been tested a lot and it wasn't like by you. It was just by people that I was mm -hmm. surrounding myself with. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was kind of in this, I remember being like, texting you at like 1130 at night or something when we were texting back and forth. I was totally, totally stoned. I had like smoked way too much weed that night. Um, again, twenties and, um, 
I remember like texting you and because I think you were in a place where like you were spiritually like lightening up and mm-hmm. I was really digging into the, the underworld and I was just going through one of those cycles. And I remember right. like being like texting you something like, um, Oh, your, your, your soul is as black as mine. And I was that trying was to be conversa- funny. That was the conversation we had on the phone. We oh. had that. It started in text, I think, but then we had that conversation on the phone and it got ugly. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. I think, you know what it was is I think I was feeling judged and uh, yeah. that highlighted those trust issues. Right. And, and I was like, well, you're my bestie. Like you're the person I talk right. to every day. You're the person that, I mean, even though we still have yet to physically meet, like that still hasn't happened. I know. <laughs> um, but I was just, you were the person that I was talking to all the time. And yeah, no, um, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, I think that it's a lot easier for people to understand. I think now in like the the age in which we live where, you know, people have relationships the way they do. And, but we, you know, it wasn't just like, I lost like the person I did projects with. I lost my best friend at the same time. Yeah. It was hard. It was, it was brutal. It, It sucked because I was going through a lot of personal stuff and then I didn't have you around. And then when we kind of had that little, breakup. And I kind of came out online and said, look, this is, I'm dropping my, uh, you know, my online witchy name, the you know public name that everyone's known me by. And I'm, you know, kind of not going to do this stuff anymore. I want to do this stuff. I got so much bullshit hate from people for that, that it was like, really like that really sucked and I didn't have you to bitch with and that right. sucked even more <laughs> right so it was just like it was a rough like because it was a good six months of of stuff that was going on and then you know after um we stopped doing the show together so it was you know because that was in the summer that was in the summer of 2012 and then I left because I was in Boston and then I left and went back to San Diego. And it was, you know, from that time in the summer, and then I get to San Diego. um, And then now it's January of 2013, we have that massive, ugly phone conversation. And then we talked maybe twice ever Mm -hmm. again after that. And that was, that was it. And it sucked because when I was going through all the stuff that I was going through, in 2013, you know, the one person that I know would have been completely not only understanding, but would have told me where I needed to be called out on my bullshit and would have, you know, backed me where I was right was you and I didn't have you. And that sucked. So, you know, yeah, no, I went through, I went, yeah, I was there. Um, just on the other side of the train tracks going through like almost the same thing. Um, and it was it was hard to I, I realized, see, one of the things that you were always really good at, you're just you're real, like you're just there's no bullshit. You call yeah. bullshit when it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, that is is a discernment that I didn't have at the time in my life. Like I was good at like calling other people's bullshit out, but seeing <laughs> how bullshit was manifesting in my life, not so much. And um, are we always like that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, 20s. there were, yeah, exactly the twenties. Um, and there were people who, you know, and I, I know I'm going to have to do an episode where I actually kind of talk about people who we had on the show, um, mm-hmm. who were super manipulative and I didn't understand that. And they were using the show as a platform for their own mm-hmm. kind of brand of crazy, um, who 
you know, we'll get into that other thing. But that person was um, super manipulative. And you had like from the get go, you were like, no, I don't trust this. This doesn't feel mm-hmm. right. And I was like, no, 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 she's cool. She's cool. Um, and that led to so much destruction in my life, like so mm-hmm. much destruction in my life for and for years. I mean, I'm still like I was just at PantheaCon night, people coming up to me apologizing for their taking part in this person's weird vendetta against me, like just <laughs> crazy shit. So, you know, it was this there who, you, yeah, I didn't have that person in my life. And the other thing too, with that is like, I didn't have a good, strong female voice in my life who was able to do that for me, I guess, or like uh-huh. with me and give me that other side of, of things. And it's not that I don't have strong females in my life. I absolutely do. But you and I had this very level kind of back and forth. Just, I, you know, I, I, implicitly trusted you you implicitly trusted me and there was i missed it i'm and i have for years you know and i've stalked you on twitter and Mm -hmm. insta and you know on (laughs) facebook when you were on facebook and you know all the things and um i've so i've tried to keep in touch or at least you know somehow aware of you always isn't it weird how like you're aware of someone and what they're doing and you think like oh i'm in touch with them but you haven't actually spoken in like years in seven years yeah no i know exactly what's going on with them i feel like that you know and that's one of the weird things i think about social media which is so funny when i think about it was seven years ago that we were doing this on the regular and here we are now it's seven years later like that whole landscape is totally different like that stuff wasn't there really like it is now you know And so, um, but it's funny how, yeah, I do that all the time. And now, and since I left Facebook, because that's just a nightmare, um, when I left Facebook, I realized that there are people that I, you know, have like went to college with and people that I've been friends with for years who I was in touch with on Facebook in that very superficial way. And now that I don't have Facebook anymore, it it just dawns on me that I really hadn't talked to that person in forever. So it like doesn't bother me that I don't have, you know, their picture of their kids now on Facebook to comment on. Like, you know, so it's, it's so weird. Like just the world has just shifted in such a way. I feel like we're living out the plot of idiocracy. I don't know what is happening in the world anymore. And I'm just like trying to make it through every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been, Oh, okay. So, (laughs) um, yeah, we will, we have to talk about Trump because that'll happen, but, but let's, let's, let's wait for that because I want to talk to you about, um, authenticity because I feel Mm -hmm. like our, you know, our kind of our stories have been about us striving to, achieve personal authenticity and our power in that. And, um, and, you know, and again, I think that's such an important thing for us as witches to, to understand. And that was something that I was incapable of truly understanding, I think at the time, you know, when we embarked, Mm -hmm. but retrospect and hindsight 2020 and all that. Um, so can we talk a little bit about Jess Carlson? Because sure. everybody knows Rowan Pendragon. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad you did change your name, um, mostly because I know the emails you were getting were fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, do you still <laughs> yes. get the crazy, crazy emails? No, I don't. Well, I mean, I still get crazy emails just because I'm still a public witch. And so I do get crazy emails, but I also now have a much better way of handling them. So they don't bother me as much. And when they're really crazy, it just, uh, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm sorry that you didn't take your meds today. Delete. You know, I just right. I don't I don't 
think about it. It doesn't bother me. And, you know, I mean, that's this, I think one of the, um, you know, one of the kind of like part of the give and take or whatever of doing this kind of stuff openly with the public, you're going to get crazy people. And, you know, yeah. So Jess Carlson, so Jess Carlson, so you went from Rowan Pendragon to Jess Carlson about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and at one point you were like, no, I don't want to do the professional or I don't want to do the public witch thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that changed because obviously there's a part of you that was like, hey, so, so who is Jess Carlson now? Like, like, let's kind of reintroduce her. Well, okay. So at this stage <laughs> of my life, um, I am, am now and always have been a witch. This is the one thing that was just like so problematic seven years ago. It's like I was shifting what I was doing in the public. I was shifting what I was doing as far as my work goes, but I never changed my personal practices. And the thing that I, in some ways I didn't know, and I was miscategorizing in my own mind, what I, how I worked and what I did. Um, and it was only like three years ago or so that I really kind of realized that, um, it's not that I'm an eclectic. I was an unaware chaos magician. (laughs) And so when I decided that I was just going to dive into chaos magic and learn how to, um, be more open as far as what I'm doing, um, you know, following whatever, and just not giving a shit about anyone else's stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, that helped a lot. And, you know, the thing is, is that like now, I still am very much, you know, I, I once a witch, always a witch for me anyway. And so like that has never changed and it is who I am still now. And the type of stuff that I might be into at the time is always changing because it's like, again, it's chaos magic. It's like, what's going to work for now? What's going to work for this? You know, and I am a total nerd about everything. Like yesterday I wrote a blog post. (laughs) Yesterday I wrote a blog post about smudging and I spent, I think a good three hours watching lectures on physics because I was trying to make sure that I fully could in a simplistic way in five sentences or less explain the you know scientific side of of herb burning as a cleansing, you know, beyond just the woo woo we, Oh, it makes me feel good. And, you know, Oprah said, it'll make the spirits go away. Like, you know, I'm trying to like be able to, to like simplify. And I just got so like, Oh, this is so interesting. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, let's go watch this, this lecture on atmospheric ions. Hey there, thanks for listening to The Modern Witch. I just want to take a moment and talk to you about some of the incredible things we have going on over at the Mystic Dream Academy, namely Black Rose Witchcraft. Storm, Chaz, and myself have created this online training program that fuses the best of modern traditional witchcraft, folk magic, American conjure, and psychic development into one system that is accessible to everyone. Right now, Black Rose has over 300 members and a growing body of initiates. That means the forums are full, there are loads of people who are learning at the same pace as you, and there is a nice backlog of additional content. 
Our Book of Shadows comes in two versions, an easy-to-print black and white and a full-color illustrated PDF that I designed personally. I spent years looking for a coven and tradition that was a good fit for my lifestyle and that wasn't full of a bunch of strings that were attached to everything. With Black Rose, you know our expectations and we know yours. Visit us online at blackrosewitchcraft.com for more info. Now back to the show. Okay, so you are in a place now where like you you're living in a different location you are living in vegas now yes yes. how the fuck is that i love it here it is awesome i never thought that i would like it here and in fact when i found out i was gonna have to move here i was so upset (laughs) it was like i hate san diego and now i have to go to fucking las vegas are you kidding me and then we get here i'm like this place is wonderful i love it here um yeah, I really, I really do like it. The weather is ridiculous, but the people are nice. Um, everything here is very cool. It's not what people think. Like, cause when people, and I had made this mistake too, because the only thing I knew of Las Vegas from coming here on the weekends and things is the strip, because if you don't live here, that's all, you know, um, But that is really like that stretch of road is the only real thing that's like that here. The rest of Las Vegas is just a giant suburb and we have a bazillion strip malls and lots of movie theaters and, you know, all that same bullshit. And then we have like fun little, uh, you know, side attractions outside of, you know, going down to the strip because you can go to like the nuclear testing museum and you can go and see all the old, uh, you know, all the old, uh, signs and stuff in the neon graveyard. And there's just a lot of neat stuff here. And there are a lot of, um, or not a lot, but there's a pretty good size, um, pagan and witchcraft community. I don't participate in it because, and here's the other reason why it's not just because I'm like, I don't want to get into like anything that makes me hate people or anything like that. Right. Because we move around so much and I've just become like very reticent to get involved in in, and make friends because I don't know if I'll be here in six months. So, you know, I, I kind of hate, that's why my, my life is mostly lived online because I know I'm not going to lose those people. (laughs) They're going to be in my pocket when I move. So, you know, it's like, that's the only re that's one of the big reasons. Although there's a good chance that we will stay here and we've actually talked about buying a house and everything. Cause I really like it. It's the, it is, if I can't be in Boston, then I will be in Las Vegas. I don't ever want to go back to California. So, uh-huh. um, so that's my, that's my thoughts on that. But yeah, I, I like it here a lot. Um, it's really great. And, uh, yeah, that's uh that's one thing in my life. I never would have thought would happen. <laughs> that you would, you moved to Vegas and you like it. Yeah. Yeah. I never, first didn't think I'd ever move here. Second, didn't ever think I'd like it. So, and both of those turned out to be wrong. So <laughs> it, it seems like, uh, I mean, uh, admittedly I've only been there on layovers. Um, but, uh, it seems like it would be a good place for people to just, again, kind of be themselves. Like, you know, you could mm-hmm. dye your hair, whatever color you wanted to dye your hair. You could, and you're just not going to get weird looks. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause it's, it's the place of, you know, pageantry you know basically yeah Yeah. we have a lot of we have a lot of crazy weird people here and then you have you know your uppity 
you know, rich white housewives in one part of town. And, you know, so it, it's like any, it's like any other big city and it's not a big city. That's what's so funny is that this is not a huge place. I was actually surprised. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Las Vegas, the area in general, I thought it was bigger. And then we got here and I realized, no, it, not <laughs> not a huge it's just very densely packed but it's not that big and um you know but yeah you've got all you know a lot of p- different types of people and everybody here is just much at least in my experience so this could be totally different for someone else but in my experience um you know for the most part people are just like eh, whatever <laughs> you know I haven't had any kind of weird confrontations with anyone and I'm you know around you know with my Pentacles and my purple hair and my black clothes and no one's ever given me even so much as a side eye. So, you know, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, li- live your best life, Jess. Live yeah, your best yeah. life. <laughs> live your best witchy life. You know, there it you is go. what it is. So. Live deliciously. This is what matters. <laughs> so what's new, I mean, what, what are your new projects? What are you focusing on right now? I don't even know. That's the thing. <laughs> this, when I came out of 2018, I was having a lot of burnout. Um, I have done a lot of stuff in the last, specifically the last three years, four years. So like 2015 was a really big year for me where I did some pretty big projects. And, um, one of the big things I did was I taught a year long, um, course in magic and, it was an experiment in a lot of ways. Um, it was the first time I was attempting something of that caliber, um, having, you know, been teaching on a much smaller scale for a long time. And I was not prepared for a lot of what came with that. And it was just very challenging. It was emotionally draining. And I think I was three months into it and I wanted to just cry and never turn my computer on again. So, um, I went through all of that, but the good thing about that was I spent that whole year writing and researching and practicing new things and all that in order to teach this course. And so I walked away from it with a fuck ton of material and a lot of ideas. And so since then, I've just been kind of going through stuff and slowly coming up with you know, new things to do. And I, last year in 2018 just ended up becoming the year where I just decided, you know, as much as I love to help people and I love giving people, you know, that like insight with magic that they need to do whatever it is that they need to do. I just realized that working with people one-on-one is just too draining for me. And I just, I like it and I don't like it all at the same time. And I also just find that, you know, and we've talked about this before. We talked about this back on the podcast seven years ago about how sometimes it's just hard to make a living. And because we have a weird wealth consciousness in the witchcraft community. And, you know, so I would, you know, have people tell me like, oh, I really wish you would offer something like this or that you could, you know, do something like that. And, you know, I'd be totally down for it. And then I would go, you know what, that's actually a really good idea. Let me figure something out. And I'd you know, spend a month or so creating some kind of, you know, either like group thing or one-on-one thing. And then I'd put it out there and it'd be crickets. Now nobody wants, now they know they have to pay for it because, you know, again, my time, my, this is my job. I have to always remind people, this is my job. I'm not doing this for fun. It's not like I got a, a ton of free time on my hands to just sit here and, you know, answer emails and do readings. Like it's, you know, and 
so when that stuff would happen, I'd be like, I know that what I have here is really good. And you guys all said, this is the kind of stuff you wanted. And now no one wants to pay for it. And it's like, and I'm not, you know, I'm sorry, I cannot be bargain basement. Like when I was doing readings on Etsy, it would, I would just like, look, at oh, someone's doing Celtic cross readings for $5. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> serious. And it's like, people go, oh, I want the $5 reading because it's only $5, you know? And that's just unfortunately the, the way that the wealth consciousness is in this community, it seems in a lot of ways for a lot of things. There's just, there's a big disconnect between with value, a lack of understanding how, what value is all about. So, um, so I just got really frustrated and said, you know what, I'm not going to spend any more time putting together coaching programs, magic programs and whatever to just end up having it, you know, sit there and collect dust. And so, I decided in late 2018, um, around Salon, because I was doing readings for Salon, I decided when that was done, I wasn't doing readings anymore. I'm done. And, um, so I did stop doing readings. I did do a few readings, a few more times. I did offer readings at the beginning of the year for like new years. And I did just do, um, offer readings, um, for a little bit. And they, you know, cause again, when are you going to offer readings again? I really need a reading. And then no one wants a reading. So I'm like, you know what? I'm done. So right now my focus is really just on writing and, and doing other stuff. Cause I've just, all I wanted to do, you know, last year was just create art and visual stuff that is magically inspiring. It might not be witchcraft in the sense of here's a book on how to do some spells, but it, you know, like creating art that you might put in your space, whether it's your magical space or mundane space and have it be magically and spiritually inspiring. So that was the kind of stuff I would rather be doing. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to spend 2019 focused on doing the things Jess wants to do. <laughs> going to care about what other people want to do. So, um, so right now it's just going through my existing material and making changes to some stuff. I'm rewriting my, um, my ebook on candle magic, which has now turned into like a full on book. Um, so I'm doing that and I'm just doing art. So right now that's pretty much just my focus writing and, and art. Um, and that's it. So I fucking love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, like, what all has happened since I, when, since last we talked? Well, I wrote four books. Right. Um, and that has all amounted to this weird, like, missing time thing for me, where I feel like I've been on, like, a ship for four years or something. Um, five years, I guess. Yeah. And, and, um, so I, like, the, sh I was not putting podcasts out mostly during, I think there were, like, there were a couple of years and there were, people were getting like two or three or I'd like quickly do a bunch and then drop them all at once. Mm -hmm. uh, just cause I feel guilty. I'm like, well, you know, but every month I'm still paying for the damn hosting for the show and everything. <laughs> so I see it. And so it's just like going to the gym, you know, people like go to the gym right. or like they sign right. up for a gym at least. And then they feel guilty cause they're not, you know, they're wasting money. That's kind of how the, that's the podcast. And I, that's our relationship. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, just the books have been, I, I, I was, I did the thing that I knew I had to do, at least for me, which was just kind of plow through three books all at once, like basically one after the other. Right. Um, and 
that was not recommended for, I don't recommend that for other people to do. Um, I mean, for some, like I, I, my life just, just totally melted. It was just all about writing all the time. And you know, when you're under contract, you have to, there's deadlines, there's shit to do. Um, and so it was hard and, and it's been hard. And I just now got through the final round of edits on the third book, which will come out in May, uh, which is the witch's book of mysteries. And that wraps up the series. So that's the, Mm -hmm. what, what we're calling the witch power series. And, um, I'm totally de- like a- after writing the series, I just feel like a totally different person. And mm-hmm. I know one of the criticism that I used to give Christopher Penzak all the time back when I was a, a shitty little 20 something year old was that, um, I thought, and you know, now he's like my brother and we're super tight. And I tell him this, like he knows these stories. Um, but when I was like, I don't know, 20, I think 1920, I used to work, um, in a metaphysical store in Cincinnati and I refused to let them bring in Christopher Penzak books because I was, I was like offended by something he wrote in gay witchcraft because, mm-hmm. you know, I, because I was entitled to that offense and I was going to deny book sales or something. Cause that's a thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And, and the, one of the criticisms always was that, Oh, it's like Christopher is learning about these things as he's writing about them. And like, and people used to be like shitty about that. And now that I've been through this process of writing books, that's, like, that's how that's how that's you know someone's never written a book, <laughs> right? I mean, that's literally how it goes. Like you write, and you 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 have to learn things because you have to yeah. back up what you're saying, right? And there's a degree of research that has to go into shit that, especially working for Llewellyn, um, which that's like a whole. Like, this has been a whole experience I never expected. But working for Llewellyn, they are fucking sticklers. <laughs> for all of that stuff and um like there were there were occultists that i was referencing because you know in my book of shadows i'd have like a little note oh it came from you know harnius grip blah 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 and, you know whatever and, and then i'd like put this in the book and Llewellyn would be like oh did you know that that guy plagiarized these four other people and so <laughs> you can't actually use this i'm like how the fuck do you know that it was in 1700 and they have like this imma- they just they know like they're they're yeah. high- it's just incredible so the degree of scrutiny that I've had to go through just professionally with that has been amazing. It's been great. I've, I feel like a much stronger writer. I feel like a much stronger witch because of it. But I just the whole process of writing this series has been it's just transformative. I mean, it really has been. So, like my priorities. Have time, which mm-hmm. also going through my Saturn writing. This that was uh, and it was hard and i knew i knew something big was going to happen with because of where so i'm a sag sag sun mm-hmm. um, and i have a lot of interesting jupiter placements in my chart and um i knew that my saturn return was going to bring on some sort of weird paternal thing and mm-hmm. i just had this intuitive feeling and my dad died actually like at the very end of my saturn return my, my dad passed away And it was this whole, like, Saturn, Jupiter, like, interesting mythological kind of thing that went down. It was very, um, I mean, he and I were fine when he passed away, but it was this whole idea of, like, okay, well, your dad's gone, so now you kind of just shift into this spot? And and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's very weird. So, it's, the book series was happening while that was going on, and, I mean, and the poor man, he, like, he was in the hospital just I mean, every nine months he was in the hospital for something like he, they amputated his leg at one point and, and just, he went through a lot of hard diabetes related stuff. And, um, and so 
going through all of that it created helped to create this this understanding that my identity was changing and my everything in my life was changing you know and mm. um and so the books were were part of that that process of me kind of setting my own standards for things and recognizing that um I do have something to say you know that was something that I was just like well I don't have anything to say like what am I going to write about right. you know and then suddenly I had this book deal and I start writing the series and by the time we get to the second book I mean that there's like this whole I don't even know. Have you even seen the books? Like, no judgment oh, if you yeah. haven't. Okay. Oh, I was like, no judgment if you haven't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was a, there's a lot of channeled material. There's a, there's a lot of, of new content and stuff in there. And that took a degree of confidence as a psychic that I had no fucking clue I was going to, it's going to be required. So I, I really had to level up in a lot of ways in my own personal life and my own personal practices in order to like squeeze these books out. And, um, you know, again, I'm on the other side of it now and I'm like, well, I'm a different person and I, I want different things because I've went, I've gone through this discipline practice that I had always had loosely kind of there around me. But, you know, writing the books kind of forced a formalization into things. And it's just been insane. Just the last couple yeah. of years have just been crazy. I, I own part of the store now. I don't know if you know that. Um, so I'm I'm one third owner of the Mystic Dream. Um, <laughs> and so. It's, it's just crazy. There's been a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of years. And um, it's been very isolating, I think, more than anything. You know, you yeah. go through these things and, and that's so and so I've noticed like, oh, I miss Rowan. And those times I'm like, oh, I miss Rowan. Um, because, you know, who do you get to talk to? And, and again, you know, we as right. witches kind of have these trust issues. And so yeah. I love to kind of fucking work through that. Another thing I want to work through, which you mentioned um, and I do want to talk about is this whole um well, basically, people. Okay, so you know how there's like the memes going around right now, where where people are talking about how everyone feels forced to turn their hobby into like a side gig. Oh my god, I could tell you, like, I have so much to say about this shit. Well, <laughs> this stuff let's aggravates do the crap out of me. So, yeah. all right, so let me go back in time. Let's go back yes. to 2013. Okay. So, 2013, after I moved from Boston, go back to San Diego. And, um, I, when, when I made the actual physical move, my husband and I drove across country. It's what we always do. Um, we drove across country and took a little longer than anticipated because we hit a lot of weather that year. Cause it, it was January, but we oddly hit a lot of weather. So we did have a couple, um, times where we had to, you know, couldn't go, we got stuck in like the craziest like snowstorm in Texas. It was really weird. So we had some extra days that got tacked on to our, our trip that time. And I spent that whole trip pretty much sitting with a big binder full of ideas and things I wanted to try out stuff. I'd been seeing other people do. I had also in the fall of that of 2012 had taken my first, what would become the first of far too many um, courses on like creative business and spiritual business and all mm -hmm. this bullshit. And so, but at the time the course was great. I felt really inspired to do stuff. I had ideas and everything and I was off and running. So when we, I have that whole week to kind of like work through these ideas. I get to, to San Diego. I'm like ready to hit the ground running. And I find out about B school. I find out about Marie Forleo's B school. And I'm like, I 
have to do this. This sounds perfect because this is all the stuff I don't know. I don't know anything about how to do this online so I can actually make money. And what do I do? So I had, I threw together a fundraising uh, campaign, like just on my own website, just like, look, you, if you donate X number of dollars, I'll do a reading for you. I'll do this for you, whatever. And I ended up raising in about a week and a half. I only, I needed $2,000 to pay for the thing up front and I made 3000. So that was awesome. I had a little extra money. I was able to get a new laptop. It was great. So now it's B school time. I do that. I learn all of this stuff, hearing shit like that. Hearing me, we're going to turn your passion into your business and we're going to take the thing you love to do on, you know, on the side and we're going to turn it into the thing you do that earns you a living. And I'm like, great, because one of the things in the B-School pitch that really hooked me in knowing that I really wanted to kind of have more of a, at the time, I don't think I totally knew, but like more of a passive income business where I wanted to create digital things and just have people buy them and just be on their way. And so one of the pitches back at that time, I don't know if she still pitches it this way because I, I, I avoid B school stuff at all costs now, but, um, she, one of the pitches in, in the, you know, the little series to get you kind of to get that FOMO going so that you, you sign up is, um, imagine waking up to thousands of dollars in sales while you were sleeping. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. Let's go. And right. so, who doesn't? so I sign up, I do B school. I learn a whole lot of stuff about business. That's great. That I realize in the next year works really well if you have a non-spiritual business, but if you have a spiritual business, this stuff does not fly. And so, mm-hmm. so I found myself feeling really frustrated. Like, look, my thing I love is not turning into a viable business. What do I do? And so I, then I, I fell into what I found out a lot of people fall into when they start this, this down this horrible road, ended up in a course carousel where I'm like, I sign up for this course. I, I kind of work through it. And in the process of doing that course, you learn about someone else's course. And so then I go and I sign up for that course. Then I get like halfway through that and realize, you know what? No, I need something else. And then I find this other person's course. Next thing you know, when I sit down and do my taxes at the end of the year, and this was true for probably three years in a row, I would find out that looking at all of the courses and things that I had signed up for that I had spent each year, well over $10,000. And I was horrified that I was doing this and not feeling like I was making any money because I wasn't. Um, And looking at, you know, but but this is supposed to be turning my my passion into a business. Like Mm -hmm. now, it's you know, at that point, so now we're ahead. We're in 2015. We're into 2016. Like, why isn't this like making me a lot of money? Like, why are people not buying all my things and signing up for my stuff? Like people are following me on social media. Like that's not a problem. But where's like, you know, the money? And so Mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of looking now more critically at that whole thing, because now I think probably around 2015, I started to notice that that whole, like, you know, turn your passion into your, your business really became a thing. Like that was like unavoidable. And I got so frustrated. And at that time, 2015 or so, I was super, super into Periscope. And so I did 
a, a periscope one day talking about how this is bullshit. And if you believe this, you deserve to be taken for every penny that you end up spending on this, on the courses and the coaches and all this to tell you this, because you want to know how they're doing that. It's very simple. They're giving you this like desperate feeling of unless you're doing what you love, you're not doing anything good. Like unless you're doing the, your passion and you're doing something positive in the world, you're not really living a full life and you're going to always be unhappy and you're never going to make the money that you should make. And so until you turn around and do this, um, you know, you're basically worthless. So that kind of stuff really bothered me. And I, so I'm telling people, and I actually just was saying this the other day, not everybody can be the next Oprah. Somebody's got to do Oprah's hair. Right. Not everybody can be Lady Gaga. Somebody needs to dog sit for her when she's on tour. Like mm -hmm. you have to like, just because you love something. Oh, and this is on Periscope. I always used to say, like, imagine that like your passion is making cupcakes that are all like designed with different things from Sons of Anarchy. You really think that's going to be a viable business? If somebody does, and so they'll go and take one of these courses, be like convinced that because they love this so much and they put so much into it that other people will be like, yes, I need that too. But that's just not true. And so it just, it, it used to bother me. And I was always like, my whole thing was always your passion is not equal to your pocketbook. It doesn't matter if you're not making bank at the end of the day, but you're happy who cares what you do, you know? And because a lot of the time when you are doing that quote, your, your passion is your job or whatever, you know, the whole, uh, that whole saying of, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. No, it's actually quite the fucking opposite. If you're doing what you love, you're working harder than you ever have because you are more invested mm -hmm. in what you're doing and you will put anything and everything into it. That's why I was spending tens of thousands of dollars yeah. trying to learn how to make it better. So, you know, that shit bothers me so much. And when I see people like Marie Forleo, who will say things like, you know, if you don't have the money to sign up for my course, get a loan, use your credit cards, borrow it from a family member. Like seriously. So now you want people to put themselves in debt to take yeah. this. So this is how those people, when you see those people quote, living their best life and you know, they're all out on their fancy vacations and whatnot in very staged Instagram photos. The reason that they're able to even think of doing those things is because they're selling you a dream and you're buying it. And it bothers yeah. me. It bothers yeah. me to no end. It's very culty. Um, it, it was, it, it reminds me of, um, because everybody knows I'm obsessed with like, cults and things like that and it reminds yeah. me a lot of scientology because there's that yeah. like here's your end phenomena that you're you know you're working towards and as you're going mm -hmm. through that you're you're uh, you're kind of peeling back this layer of oh look how fucked up i am look what i'm not doing look what i should be doing look what other people are capable of doing why aren't i doing that and then it creates this this paradigm that you're constantly stuck in where you feel as though your validation is coming from the success that you can make off of a saturated market. Right. And that is, that's fucked up. It's also fucked up because you get people who, I mean, here's the thing. If like I have a, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jackie Smith, she owns Coventry candles. Mm -hmm. She created that company because she loved making candles and she realized right. she, that her talent um, was something that she could turn into a business and she could make money with over time. 
it took years and years and years yep. and years and years for that to happen. I mean, now there's like, it, there's a factory. Like I went to her, mm-hmm. fa- it's insane. I'm like, oh, I've never seen a quote unquote, you know, pagan business owner have this degree of, uh, uh, you know, kind of professionalism, I guess, you know, in, in mm. your life. And she's like, well, that's because, you know, I'm making products and I'm selling them to people who themselves are magical, but also a lot of people who aren't magical. And so, right. you know, the market, it was very different. It wasn't this idea that I'm going to create magical products to sell to magical people. And that's what a lot of, of what we see on Etsy and, you know, all that stuff is going for. It's people who, are either on Instagram and they see a pretty candle with giant crystal sticking out of it, which, by the way, is a horrible, horrible, horrible idea. I know. You know why it's a horrible idea? It's beautiful. Like those candles are. Right. Cool. I always see them. Right. And I'm like, oh, those are so pretty. They're pretty if you're just going to have them like that, just right. as decoration. But right. if you don't take those crystals out, you are in fucking trouble, friend. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and the thing is, I know that there are plenty of people that are not telling their customers right. to do that. And these people are buying them, not knowing any better because they're just like, oh, it's witchy. Yeah. And then you have, you know, shards of crystal problems. flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a problem. So, you know, we have this, this thing where it's like people, especially, and I really feel this is true for, um, Gen Xers and millennials because of, the just kind of shit we walked into in our lives Mm -hmm. with, you know, the economy and everything. I feel like there is this need to make a side job out of the thing that you're into. But but see, that's, but that's the thing though. Side job. Exactly. If it's a side hustle, do whatever you want. Who cares? But if you're thinking that you're going to like, you know, turn your, you know, love of candles into a, you know, six or seven figure, let's say, let's say just six figure, let's not do too big, a six figure (laughs) business in the next 12 months, you've got a whole fucking fantasy land in your head and you need to come down to reality and like measure those expectations a bit because it just doesn't work that way. I know that whoever is going to teach you how to set up your, your Squarespace store or whatever will tell you that you will, but you won't. And you won't. Yeah. And especially in our, you know, in our general field and just the metaphysical field, it is extremely saturated in large part because of the whole, oh, you know, your passion and, you know, you have a, a, a thing to give to the world that's, you know, needed because we need to lighten up everything. And so you need to shine your light and work your light and blah, blah, blah. And then you have every single person who has ever taken a Reiki course is like, oh, right. I'm a Reiki master. Come and get Reiki for me. And, no and again, I, I think it gets down to people seeking validation. Like right. you're not a real witch if you can't sell your candles. You're not a real witch if you can't blah, blah, blah. You're not a real Reiki practitioner if you're not blah, blah, And it's, it's so, and it's interesting because I know I fell into that and you, you, know, you said you fell into that. I mean, we all mm-hmm. fall into that, but at some point the it, things have to, you just have to stop and go, wait a minute. Like, I mean, it, my thing is like, I get online and I can type in van van oil and there's 15,000 different right. Etsy shops right. that show up with van van oil. And I'm like, okay, well you may have made your van van oil, but it's van van oil. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and you may have made your four thieves vinegar, but it's four thieves vinegar. Right. And, and I understand that part of, of growing as a witch and, um, you know, all of that involves learning to make these things involves, you know, having them because it's so much of what we do is reliant on our ability to create, you know, these conditional things that we can use on our, our spells and whatnot. So I get that. And I, I, I respect that. I teach that. 
But the flip mm-hmm. side of it is that it's it's become this really weird thing where there is there's nothing new coming out. There's like there's right. no and and so you get the people who were pioneers and we people who were creating things who you can't find their shit anymore because they've all given up because the market right. is full or um times have totally fucking changed. And well, so you know, this is what I think about the idea of nothing new because that's something that I've definitely been frustrated with for quite a while. And one of the reasons I think that is is that a lot of people are not interested in what might come as backlash if they do do something new and everyone is like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like a lot of people are not prepared or willing to go through that. And so therefore it's just easier to just, you know, toe the line of what everyone else does and maybe do something a little different, like maybe make like, you know, let's get wild. And instead of using purple for crown of success, let's use gold. Like, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. like that is about as innovative as people will get, it seems. And then when you do find someone who really is trying to do something different, it ends up like, like with the crystals in the candle, it's aesthetic. Mm -hmm. It's not really genuinely new or different. It's not with a, you know, real reason behind it. It's just, well, this will make a good tumbler picture, you know? So, so then you have, you know, it's just all about appearance. And so, you know, and that's cool. I mean, I'm certainly not, you know, at all bashing anyone for their, you know, aesthetic choice, because I certainly have mine and I love all of that stuff. But at the same time, I'm not going looking for, you know, a big candle poured in a cauldron with crystals sticking out of it for a ritual, you know? So, but that's, you know, Hey, everyone's got their thing. So it's just, it's funny because I just feel like in the witchcraft community in general, it is extremely saturated. You know, Etsy is just like an endless, you know, stream of stuff, which is sometimes great. I love Etsy. That's where I tend to go when I when mm-hmm. I want something. But at the same time, I also feel like at, you know, now being in my freaking forties that I am a little bit more discerning. And right. I can tell like when I'm looking at someone's shop, I'm like, okay, this is all just for show. And part of it is that if you find somebody, especially if you look for hoodoo stuff, if you go uh-huh. on Etsy and you look for hoodoo, like a candle and you find somebody got big, gorgeous seven day candle, that's all exquisitely carved and dressed and glittered and everything. I'm not, I'm like right away. I'm questioning you. But when right. I find someone who's got like a candle that it's kind of haphazardly carved, it's smeared in herbs and glitter and it's not picture perfect. That's the person who probably knew what they were fucking doing because they right. were really putting something into what they were doing mm-hmm. and not worrying about, you know, a piece of rosemary is out of place. So right. that's kind of for me, like, you know, I love seeing all of that stuff that looks so beautiful and it's inspiring and it's very, to me, it's more like art than a ritual item. Yeah. You know, so and I but now I think at this point, I really prefer to make my own stuff whenever I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't make my own. I used to make my own candles, but I don't anymore. And, you know, so I do still buy candles. But, um, you know, I just I feel like one of the things that is important when you are practicing witchcraft is to learn that when you do everything yourself, is it harder? Yes. Does it take more time? Absolutely. Is it convenient? Not at all. But that's magic. Mm-hmm. That's doing magic. And if you're if you can't be invested enough to like put together an oil and let it sit for a week before you can use it, this may not be the thing for you. Because right. that is, you know, that is what it takes to, you know, 
magic doesn't happen in an instant. You don't cast a spell. And then as soon as that candle's lit, like, oh, magic happened. And now I have the thing I want. Like, it doesn't work that way. So, um, well, even then, like, is just killing, I think. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. In a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the other thing, too, is it's like, well, why are people doing all this? And and what I mean for that, like, we made is like, so, okay. So you make a, a magical oil and you're going to put it online. Are Is it magical because you you mix some essential oils together? Is that why it's magical? Because right. that's the what it looks like. And you right. put some herbs in a bottle. So that makes it magical. Is that all it takes to make it magical? Because, right. you know, when I go to make an oil and this is this is my my cockiness, my Sagittarian coming up. <laughs> time, but when, when I go to make an oil, I'm like, OK, so I need I need a Jupiter oil. So I'm going to make this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to, it's cause, and I'm going to make a lot of it because I know it needs to last me because I'm not right. going to get all this Jupiter energy again for probably a year or two years. So when I make a Jupiter oil, I'm like, I'm working with Jupiter, not just the day, the hour, but the actual, like, you know, astrological timing for the sun sign. And I'm mm-hmm. doing this work to kind of encapsulate, you know, the energy, the essence of Jupiter so that when I need to do a spell in six months and work with Jupiter and have that energy, I have a fucking bottle of it right Right. there that is imbued with Jupiter's energy. So for me, it's, it's hard that like, I'll go online and I'll see people's oil recipes, especially like all of those witchy tumblers that are just like (laughs) a meme sorta, you know, and it's like, and, and I'm like, that's not, Okay, sure. I mean, uh, all right, but why? Like, there's no there there. So I feel as though there's this shallowness that comes to, again, the expectations of what witchcraft is. And, you know, my right. witchcraft, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler for doing things in a certain way. And maybe it's because I'm psychic. Maybe it's, and, you know, we've talked about this before um, on the show, the, you know, psychics approach things differently than witches who don't have that psychic ability kind mm-hmm. of, you know, ingrained in them do. And so I just like if I don't if I pick up an oil and I don't feel the energy that's supposed to be coming off of it, I don't buy it because it's right. just somebody's, you know, recipe that they just made up because they knew that honeysuckle and rosemary combined make are supposed to make this particular frequency. Mm-hmm. All you're fucking doing is mixing oils. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but that is when I'm looking at 50 different Van Van oil recipes. I'm going to pick the one, you know, or Van Van oils to buy. I'm going to pick the one that I know they used lemon that was, mm-hmm. you know, imbued with the energies of Mercury on Tuesday because I'm a witch. That's not what they would do in hoodoo. And hoodoo, right. it's obviously is a different approach, but that's what I'm looking for. Thank you for listening to the Modern Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and we'll be back next week with our reunion episode with Jess Carlson. In the meantime, check out modernwitchpodcast.com for more info. Thank you.